listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Um, so if I didn't say it already, my name's Mark. I'm one of the leaders here. And I'm excited to bring to us God's Word. And you can see the banners here. We've been talking through... Uh, what we would call our vision series, who are we, what we are about. And we begin with answering the question, who is or what is the church? Because we all have to know what we're talking about, what it means, because it sets up everything else. And we begin this way, that think of the church, the, the capital C is the church is the people of God from all ages, from the very first believer until the very last one is the people of God. The Bible calls it the body of Christ. And we do this in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That it is a, a unique people. A people that no longer belong to themselves. But we belong to God. And as Adam said, as he prayed, as we sang. That we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are his own possession and treasure. But then we have what is called the local church, maybe the church with the little c, this local expression of the larger church. And we talked about what is the mission? Why is the church even here? What are we supposed to be doing? And it was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole creation, calling all people of faith, making disciples, and altogether glorifying God through his Son Jesus Christ, that while we are here on earth, we are to be bearing fruit. We are to be examples of God's kingdom. But then we do this all, not for ourselves, but hopefully that Jesus is worshipped and he is exalted. And that God's saving power would be known through the ends of the earth. And we saw that the remarkable thing is from the very beginning of the church... That's always been the church's mission. And until Jesus returns, that mission, it will not change ever. But for me, this was such an important reminder, thinking about the church. That we all have these expectations of what we want the church to be and what we want the church to do. But the number one thing is the church is here not to conform to what I want it to be, but it is to here to conform me to the mission of of Christ. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's painful. And so then we begin talking about several things. We begin talking about that we are designed for eternity, God's blueprint for life, that God has put eternity into our hearts. We talked about what that means, that we are forever people. We talked about how that shapes or should shape everything about us, but we can so easily lose sight of that, And when we do that, we look at the lives that we are living now as if that's all there is. That this life really is the destination. Instead of realizing this life is here to prepare us. And that's through joys and that's through pain. That's through trials. That's through times of celebrating. All of this is to prepare us for our final destination. Then last week we talked about we are designed for generosity. And God loves 
generosity. Remember those churches of Macedonia? These were churches that told us they were afflicted from every side. They had trouble coming from all directions. And Paul showed us that they were down in the depths poor. But through it all, they were overflowing, it said, with generosity. To the fact that they were begging Paul to let them help those that were suffering back in Judea. And we saw that generosity is a sign of a heart that has been captivated by Jesus. But we talked about at the very end of it, it isn't just about money that we can be generous with. There are all kinds of things. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our words. We can be generous with our prayers, our invitations, with our patience. There are all kinds of ways for us to be generous. Well, today we're going to look at one of the most powerful things in the world. In fact, it's something all of us have experienced and it is something that everyone does. Whether we realize it or not, we're going to talk about we have been designed for influence. And so influence is this thought, it is this idea where we have this ability, we have a capacity to, to affect someone or something. And everyone in here, no matter who you are, you actually have influence. Even the four-month-old. The four-month-old that can't do hardly anything for themselves, they have influence. They know how to get you up in the middle of the night. They know you've gotten dressed for work or that meeting, and they spit up all over you, down your shirt, and what are you going to do? You're going to change. Even a four-month-old has influence. But do you know who the experts at influence are? It's social media. Social media is incredible at influencing. In fact, do you know what one of the most powerful influences ever created is? The like button. The like button can affect how you feel, how you think, and how you act. And whoever came up with that is a genius because that is an incredible, powerful influence as a simple click of a like button. You post something, everybody watches it, you get enough, you feel good, there's not enough, you feel bad. In fact, social media companies are looking for people that have influence. You know what they even call them? They're called influencers. In fact, they're all over the place. And so our teenagers in the house, do you know who this is? Maybe especially the ladies. I didn't know her. It was Huda Katane, I guess is how you say it. 47 million followers on Instagram. And do you know what she does? She puts on makeup. But companies know if they can get her to use it, it will sell. For our younger kids, do you know who this is? This is a 10-year-old named Tina Wilson. 10 years old. She has almost 10 million YouTube describers. And if she plays with that toy, it sells. Or for our gamers out there, you know who this guy is? Who is it? It's Preston. You know how he became an influencer? By playing a video game and kids watching him play the video game. He became the Minecraft or the Fortnite guy Became a millionaire by simply kids watching him play 
a game and influencer. And parents, before you go shaking your heads and rolling your eyes, do you know who this is? <laughs> there is more shiplap in the world <laughs> because of this couple right here. They are influencers. But you don't have to be a famous Instagrammer or have 10 million YouTube subscribers to be an influence. Everyone has influence because God has designed that for us. Now, you might be thinking, I, I don't have influence. I'm just a so-and-so from a small town or I'm just a student. But everyone has influence. So no matter who you are, how much you know or where you're from, where you went to school or how involved you are in something, you have the potential for influence. But sadly, some of us, we don't realize that truth. Or, maybe even more sadly, we're refusing to actually be an influence. And I hope that changes this morning as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But remember this, he's writing to this church in Corinth. This church was established and it didn't take long for trouble to show up. One, it came from false teachers. It came after Paul, trying to discredit him, trying to change people. But then they had disunity even within the body. But they were also facing persecution from outside the church. And it's no wonder that this was a group that Paul wrote last week to talk to them that they were doing a lot of things right, but they had lost their zeal for being generous. In fact, they were one of the first churches to say, yes, Paul, we will help, but they had lost the zeal to live generously. But we're going to see today they are in danger of losing hope. Because look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Paul says, therefore, having this mystery by the mercy of God, and there it is, he says, we do not lose heart. I mean, they were on the verge of giving up and, and losing hope, and Paul wanted to remind them. And so for the next six verses, that's what Paul does. He reminds them of what God has done and who they are in Christ. And what he wants them to know is that nothing that happens to you could ever change that. What God has done and who you are in Christ, there isn't anything in this world that could happen to you that can change that truth. Then in verse 7, where we're going to focus today, he reminds them of something important. He says, do not lose heart. And then he goes on about all the things that God has done and who they are. The gospel was once veiled. Now it's been unveiled. The God of this world, he was blinding you, but now you can see. You're who in the image of God, that you're proclaiming the Lord to the world. And then in verse 7, he says, we have this treasure in clay pots and jars of clay. And the reason is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. So why would Paul use this illustration of treasures in a clay jar? First of all, what is the treasure and why would he say this? We have to look back at chapter 3, beginning about verse 4, all the way through 4, 6. Paul reminds them once again of who they are in Christ. That when you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have put your faith and trust in Him alone, in His life, His death, in His resurrection. That is your only hope for the life to come. He's reminding them of all of that. There is this treasure. And he says that treasure 
is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now I want to go, Paul, that's a lot of words. And that doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. He says, this treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so what does Paul mean? Well, this treasure is two things. It's a fact with an action. It's something that is true. And this treasure is also a way of life. And Paul says, when you have the truth of Christ, when the gospel, when you've believed in it, he says, it then begins guiding you. And you become a minister, a, a carrier, a servant of the new covenant. So you have this truth. You have the power of the gospel that is now residing in you. And you are now to be a minister of this truth. So you've got this invaluable treasure. And what do we do with things that we value and that are of a lot of value and that are important to us? What do we do? We put them in the safest place possible. You might have a safe or you've got some kind of protective box or you get a, a box at a bank. And the things that are most important, you put in the securest place that you can. Where fire can't get to it, where somebody can't steal it. But this treasure, notice what this treasure is stored in. It's stored in a jar of clay. So what is Paul getting at? I think one thing is Paul is showing that we are these jars of clay. We are fragile. They crack. We can't offer any protection. I think Paul is reminding those believers in Corinth, you are flawed and you are fragile. In fact, the thing that you hold is a priceless and powerful treasure. Because he's wanting to show these Corinthian believers that yes, you have this valuable treasure. It is something to believe and then something to live. But you do not have the power to do this. You don't have the power to protect it. You don't have the power to live it out by yourselves. The power doesn't belong to you. Because then notice how he describes what is happening to them. He's acknowledging, he's validating what they're going through. So you have this treasure in this fragile little jar of clay. Can offer no protection at all. All it has to do is be dropped on the floor or hit with a hammer. And he says, we know we are afflicted in every way. Meaning you are squeezed with an intense pressure. But you're not crushed. You're perplexed, meaning you're confronted with loss. But you're not driven to despair. You're persecuted, meaning you are pursued and hunted down. But you're never forsaken. You're struck down. You are hit. You are knocked to the ground with a weapon is what he is describing. But you're not destroyed. And Paul is describing actually all the things that it actually happened to him. In fact, all you have to do is go back to Acts 14 sometime and read what happened to him in Lystra. But Paul is showing them that even in his weaknesses, even in all of these things, they were occasions for something incredible. They were occasions for God's power to show up. Because look at verse 10. 
He says, through all of this, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So Paul says, he is alive spiritually because of Christ. Then notice the interesting phrase in verse 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. You go, okay, Paul, what, what in the world are you talking about? Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. Remember that. I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. So let's talk about that phrase for a moment. It's an interesting phrase. He says, so death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And Paul is saying that all the battles, all the struggles, all the pain, all the trials, all that we have been going through is as if death, so that others can experience the life that Christ can give them. That we're experiencing death, all the pain, the struggle, the trials. We're going through that so that you can experience life. He says, all my struggles, all my pain, even his death, which is not long after this, all of that is so that others will experience life in Christ. And you know what you're reading? You're reading about a man that is all in for Christ. Because you know what you're seeing? Remember this. A life that is surrendered to Jesus will make an impact for Jesus. It's a given. A life that is truly surrendered to Jesus, it will always make an impact for Jesus. So what does this say to you and me? It means the pain I might go through in this life. Because you know what? Hopefully I have an eternal perspective. Hopefully no matter what, I want to live generously even in my pain. The things I struggle with. The battles I face. That I can go through all of that. And that can be used as breath of life into other people. Meaning, if you've experienced Christ, if you have faith in Christ, it is only because of Christ's death. That's the only reason that he died so that you and I can live. And then, we should live lives of sacrifice for others to echo that truth. Because that's what Paul is doing. This isn't about Paul. Paul just simply wants to be an echo of what has happened to him. In fact, Paul says, Jesus died so I can live. Therefore, I want to lay my life down for others so they can experience life. Because a life surrendered to Jesus will make an impact for him. And I think I would go as far as to say, if you're someone that's not making an impact for Jesus, 
It may be that you haven't truly surrendered your life to him. Because when that happens, you will make an impact for him. So notice verse 15. So Paul is taking what Jesus has done for him. He wants to echo that for the world. And it's all for your sake, he says. So that grace extends to more and more people that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul says, everything in my life, everything in my life that I'm going through, it's so that I want other people to experience what I have experienced. Even if it's pain, even if it's struggles, being perplexed, whatever it may be, Paul says, it's always worth it because this life is not my home and is own preparing me for the life to come. And what I see is Paul was and he wanted to be an influencer. But you know what? It wasn't for clothes. It wasn't for a big house. It wasn't for beauty supplies or toys or games. Paul wanted to be an influencer for Christ. In fact, here's what I see from Paul this week. And like the YouTube stars or the Instagram famous people, Paul had a different focus. Too many people are wanting to be an influence because of what they get. Someone to be an influence so they get more and more people who know them. Some people want to be an influencer so that they have more followers, so more companies will support them. Some people want to be an influencer so they're connected to more famous people. Some simply do it because they just want more and more money. But here's what sets Paul apart. Paul was an influence, but not so that he was more popular, not because he could be around more famous people and not because he could gain more money. Because you see it in verse 15. Paul wanted to be an influencer so that you would experience the same thing he did. Now, maybe he didn't know you by name, but he says, I did all of this so that what I've experienced, that I know more and more people can hear, so that there's more people who are giving thanks to God and glory to him. So here's how I see this. Paul was not looking for more attention. In fact, Paul didn't care if anybody knew his name. Paul simply wanted to be an echo. He wanted what he had heard and he experienced in Christ to bounce off of him and more and more people to hear. Because look at this picture. Here's what an echo does. The sounding truth went out to Paul. Paul heard it. And he wanted more and more people to be impacted the way he was so that they would turn around and echo it to more and more people. That Paul wanted to be an influencer and simply wanted to echo the message of Jesus. You know, I think if you thought long enough, if you're sitting here today and you're somebody that is a believer, there is someone that echoed it to you. There's someone that God used in some way to be an influencer in your life with what truly, truly matters. I know I have several. My wife has several. I'm so thankful that so many of you are being the influence on my children. But here's the sad thing. You simply know what stops an echo 
All you have to do to stop an echo is to take something and, and put something soft up against the wall. That it simply just takes that sound and it simply just absorbs it. The sound hits something soft, it simply absorbs the sound, and it stops. Because here's the sad truth. I think too many people have simply just absorbed the truth of Jesus. And it has stopped there. They're, they're not continuing to be an echo of what God has done for them. And I've thought long and hard about that this week. Is why is that? Why why is, do I even shy away from that sometimes? I think it boils down to that we will not even hesitate to talk about what we truly love. We, we won't even hesitate to think about, to bring up in conversations what really has truly impacted us. And I'm wondering if maybe we've absorbed the truth, but... Have we truly surrendered our life to him and going, Lord, this is not my life. It is yours. Do with it as you want. Because a life that is truly surrendered to Jesus, it makes an impact for Jesus. And so I want to give you two things to do. You took that sheet of paper. And if you want to put your name, that's great. You don't have to. But when you think about somebody, it says, how have you been blessed by somebody being living generously toward you? How, how have you been blessed by the generosity of someone? Maybe it's in their time. Maybe it's in their care, their love, support, their invitation. How have you benefited? How have you been blessed by someone living generously? I want you to write that down. The second thing is, who has influenced you and how? Think about somebody that's made an influence in your life, an impact in your life, and, and write that down. And you can do one of two things. If you get it done today, you can simply take it and put it in the offering box in the back, or you could email it to me or, or to Clint. But if you have somebody that comes in your mind that man, lived generously towards you, there was an influence in you, if they're still here, man, would you take the time to Share that with them while you still can. Maybe give them a call or write them a note or even if they're here today, tell them before you leave. But take time to think about who has God used in your life to bless you if they've lived generously in different ways and how has someone influenced you and then you can drop them off on your way out. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.